You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. I've often thought about the church and the gathering of the church as the embrace of God, uh, God's hug to us. And so today, once again, we're not able to be together, but just know this, your, your pastor and your staff, elders and deacons and, and all of us, we want to just put a warm embrace around you and say how much we love you. We're glad that you're tuning in today, but we are really looking forward to the time when we can be back together again. Uh, last night, in the middle of the night, it, it occurred to me that, that we're not going to be able to be together, it looks like, on Easter, and so we're going to have to think about that, and one of the things that we are trying to figure out is how we're going to do the Lord's Supper on Good Friday. So I just want to prepare you ahead of time. If you're going to be heading to the grocery store in the next week or two, get some, uh, get, get some grape juice. Uh, be looking up some recipes maybe for some unleavened bread. And I think that on Good Friday, we could have a really special time where we do one of these live stream services and have the Lord's Supper together from house to house. Very much a biblical concept there. Looking forward to that opportunity to do that together with you. We're having to really be innovative and to think differently as we worship together as a church. But this too shall pass and we'll be back together again. In light of the coming of Easter, it occurred to me several months ago that I wanted to preach about the cross a couple of weeks before Easter to prepare all of our hearts for that wonderful season of resurrection. Before we can talk about the beautiful and powerful resurrection of Jesus, we need to think together about the cross. And so today, if you have your copy of scripture there with you or your app, open it up to the 15th chapter of Mark's gospel, and we're going to begin in verse 21. I want to read to you uh, the last part of the text I've chosen for today. Uh, we're looking at Mark 15, 1 through 32, but I'm going to begin in verse 21. So let's hear this story. And remember, this is one of the most tragic one of the most difficult, one of the most sad elements in all of, uh, of history. In fact, the saddest in some ways. And yet, there's so much hope here when we realize that Jesus is going through all of this for you and for me. So let's hear the word of God. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews... And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at this passage of scripture, we see both horror and hope. We see both tragedy and triumph. And I ask God that you will help us to see in this passage of scripture, in the, in the gospel of Mark, 
the truth we need that will change us. Each of us today, we need a word, Lord. You need to speak to us. We need to hear from you today, God. With all that's going on in the world, help us to take our eyes off all of that chaos for a moment and look to the cross. And some see chaos there, but I pray, God, that all of us will see your love and will be saved by it. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. A lot of people are asking questions these days about all the bad things that are happening in the world. People are losing jobs. Obviously, many people are, are really sick and many have died. This pandemic is, is shaking this world to its core. One of the questions that people tend to ask when things aren't going well is, why do bad things happen to good people? That question was asked uh, R.C. Sproul one time. Somebody asked him what he thought about that, how he would answer that question. And his response, if I recall, is something like this. He said, well, he said, that has only happened once in all of history. And he volunteered. Now, obviously, Sproul was talking about Jesus. The only really good person in all of human history uh, allowed the most terrible thing to happen to him, and he volunteered to do it. And we need to be asking ourselves today, why would he do that? Why would he volunteer to die for us? See, that's the question. And I believe Mark's gospel has the answer. One of the things that we see in Mark's gospel as we've been going through is that he's in a hurry. He's not giving us all the details, but he's giving us just what we need to know. There's no really change in, in the text here in the 15th chapter of Mark's gospel because he's, he's only giving us the, the briefest details, but it's enough to grab our hearts and souls and to humble us to see that God really, truly loves us deeply. What I want you to realize here today is, is that Jesus has volunteered to give his life so that you could be saved from your sins. In fact, we need to realize this. Jesus gave his life so freely because he knew the only way, the only way to ultimately defeat Satan was to first defeat your sins. Jesus must first defeat our sins before he can defeat the devil. And that's what the cross is about. The cross is about the victory of Jesus over all of human sin. And we want to celebrate that here today, even though the story is sad. This story, as we look at Mark 15, is filled with human depravity. We see so many things that are wrong with the world today. And yet, with all that's wrong with the world today, we see the beautiful love of Jesus shining through. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask just a couple of questions as we move through this. It's going to be sort of how we, we, we handle this passage and we look at it in terms of the questions. And I want you to let these questions uh, come into your heart and into your mind and hopefully change you, change your heart, change your mind, and move you in the direction of God Almighty and Christ Jesus, his son. The first question we see in the text is in chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. The question is, are you amazed at Jesus's willing sacrifice? Now, let's think about this for just a moment. Um, Jesus is the son of God. He is powerful. 
He volunteers for this, and we see this in verses one through five. Now, for a moment, I want you to think about Pilate. We know that he's a, a, a critical part of the story. We realize that, that, that Pilate uh, was a man put in a, a position of authority where he could have maybe saved Jesus from what was going on. Now, if you look at the text in verse one, it says, and as soon as it was morning. That's important for us to realize because the way the Romans worked, uh, they the, the, the leaders the, the politicians in Rome, they liked to get up early in the morning and do all of their work as early as they could so that when it got hot in the middle of the day, they could go and, and relax and, and take it easy. And so have you ever wondered why there's this, this uh, string of, of different uh, judgments this, these court hearings, so to speak, that Jesus goes through in the Gospels that's in the middle of the night. Why would the Sanhedrin do that? Why would they go through all that trouble of staying up all night uh, to, to, to prosecute Jesus? Well, the reason why is because they were working in a Roman system and they wanted to, to make sure that they put Jesus before Pilate very first thing in the morning. So that's what's going on here in chapter 15, verse 1. Now, Pilate really didn't like the Jewish people. There's plenty of historical evidence to prove that. He was not a happy camper. He had been assigned to this place. He was not a friend of the Sanhedrin. In fact, he would have probably loved to have delivered Jesus, not for justice's sake, but just to needle those, those leaders, those uh, Hebrew Jewish leaders, so that they wouldn't get what they wanted. And so if you look at chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, you will realize that that that. Pilate doesn't care about religious squabbles and differences of opinion that way. But what the, the Hebrew people had done is they had said, look, this Jesus, he, he's claiming to be a king. And, and there can be no other king but, but Caesar. So, so they were using that, that political angle to get at Jesus. And Pilate's not, not, he's nobody's fool. He knows that that's not the case. He can look at Jesus and see. And if you look in the passage there, there is a, a little bit of a dialogue between what, what it means to be a king or a messiah. And so Pilate is trying to bring that out a little bit. And it's interesting because as he does, he, he throws Jesus what we would call a softball, kind of easy question there so that that maybe Jesus can get himself out of this mess are you the king of the Jews Pilate asks and here is Jesus's opportunity and instead of giving a defense instead of trying to to get away from his cross all Jesus says is you have said so Pilate seems to get a little bit agitated here, but what we realize is, is that Jesus is fulfilling Isaiah 53, 7, which says that he opened not his mouth. In this moment when he could have defended himself, he doesn't. But Jesus made no further answer, verse 5 tells us, and verse 5 also tells us that Pilate was Amazed. Now, the human response when we are in trouble is to fight, to try to preserve our lives, to, 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 to live to fight another day. But that's not what Jesus is trying to do. He doesn't want to live to fight another day because his, his life was only meant to fight this one fight, this one battle that none of us could fight. He had to fight the battle against sin. And praise the Lord that our Lord Jesus was willing to fight that fight 
And he was understanding in a way that we often aren't understanding of sin. He understood that that was the big problem and he fought it. He came to fight it. Talk about amazing love, radical love, radical sacrifice. The reason why the cross is so hard for so many people to understand is because they don't understand the radical nature of sin. Until we can appreciate the sad reality of our sin, our sinful hearts cannot receive this salvation that comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. Surely Pilate could see that that Jesus wanted to give himself, but he doesn't ask why. Pilate doesn't take the time to really ask why. And I think today a lot of people know about the the gospel message. They've heard about Jesus and they've heard about even the cross. But they're not asking the most important question. Why would the son of God do something like this? Why would he willingly go to the cross? We ask that question because we don't understand the devastating power of our own sin. Jesus understood that. He was willing to die for us because he understood how much we needed him. Don't just be amazed by Jesus' willing sacrifice. I'm challenging you to be saved by it. In a world full of selfishness, turn your heart to the one who willingly sacrificed himself for you. The second question that we come to is this. It's the, it's the idea of substitution. We've already hit on this a little bit, but do you see how Jesus took your place? Now look in your, your passage of scripture, your copy of scripture at verses six through 15. Here we have the story of how Pilate tries to get Jesus out of it again. In some ways, Pilate actually seems to want to help Jesus out. And so one of the traditions that that is recorded here in Mark's gospel is that at this particular time of the year, at this particular festival, they would typically allow one prisoner to be released. Pilate just assumed that if he brought Jesus before the people, the people would say, sure, we want our king. Because the other people that he could release, well, they weren't exactly the nicest people. And they were about to be crucified. The Romans were a uh, very efficient people, but they were also a very cruel people. Um, they built up culture, yes, but those bricks uh, uh, were, were often the, were used to crush people who rebelled. This passage, we don't know exactly who Barabbas was. We don't know exactly uh, who his, his accomplices were, but we are told here in this passage in verse 7 that they had murdered people, that they were robbers. Verse 27 of this same chapter tells us that they were robbers. These were people, and, and hear me out, I don't believe anybody deserves a cruel death like crucifixion but in this context it is clear who is guilty and who is not Jesus has not done anything worthy of a cross of capital punishment these men by the standards of the day they were very much guilty of high crimes they very much deserved uh, punishment. Again, we can quibble about what that looks like, what, whether that's jail time or whatever. But in this day, this was the, the prescribed uh, punishment. These men, the Bible, and I don't think anybody in the crowd would have known different. So Pilate, he's, he's too clever by half. He thinks that he's got this figured out, that the crowd's going to release uh, Jesus instead of Barabbas. But the priests were the really clever ones. Because they had already planted people throughout the crowd. And those plants in the crowd 
we're told when, when, when Pilate offers one to be released, don't allow the name of Jesus to be said. Shout down anybody that says Jesus and let's release Barabbas. It was a plan from the start and that's exactly what happens. Instead of the innocent man being set free, the most wicked men, our man, Barabbas, goes free. Now, let me ask you this. Really, is this part of the story, verses 6 through 15, is it really important for the, the, the text to know that it was Barabbas? I mean, this could be said in just a couple verses instead of 10 or 11 verses. Well, one of the reasons why Mark spends a little bit of time here is, one, it happened. It's true. This is history. This is, this is the record of what really happened. But like so many times in the scripture, there's something more here than just history. And I want you to get this. When I'm preaching to you, I'm not just trying to tell you what happened. I want to help you understand why it happened. And the why here is the really deep thing. The reason why Mark tells us about Barabbas is because I believe Barabbas represents us. He's us. He's, he's, he's not innocent. He is guilty. He has blood on his hands in a literal sense as a murderer. But, and I'm not saying that's who you are or who I am, but we are all sinners. Barabbas was guilty. Jesus was innocent. Barabbas goes free. Jesus goes to a cross. Now think about this. You are a sinner. Jesus never sinned. By believing in Jesus' death as the payment for your sins, you go free. He dies, you live. That's the gospel. This story that we have in Mark is the fulfillment of Scripture. Again, listen to Isaiah 53, now verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Divine justice against sin had to be paid and Jesus paid it all. Why is Barabbas mentioned? Because Barabbas represents the human condition, human, humanity in general. We are all in need of God's gift. As I, I shared with you last week in, in slightly different words, but catch this, you don't need a tune-up for your soul. You need a transformation The cross shows us that our problem isn't small. It's huge. It's cosmic. We need the cross desperately. And Jesus loved us enough to give us the cross. To save you, Jesus has to take away all of your sin and replace it with all of his righteousness. That's what God has done for us. He has taken away our sins and replaced it with his righteousness. That's what you receive when you receive Jesus. Another question focused on verses 16 through 20 now um, is, have you mocked him with your sin? I'll be brief here because this is one of the more sad a handful of verses in all of scripture because it shows not just that humanity is backward, but that humanity is cruel These Roman soldiers knew all too well what was coming for Jesus. I mean, in one sense, you want to say, just take him to the cross and get it over with. But that's not the way they behave. They jeer. They spit. They're cruel to Jesus. They want to crush him, not just his body. His body will be crushed by the cross. But they want to crush his soul. This world is a cruel place. It's not just pathogens that don't have minds that cause so much trouble. 
There are people in the world who are twisted by their own sins and become cruel and hateful. We can't miss this element in Mark's gospel, in all of the gospels, that when Jesus was taken to the cross, uh, many people were very happy about that. There was nothing that Jesus had done to harm anyone else, but because of what he stood for, because he stood for God, he was mocked. I'll read this passage. It says they were spitting on him, verse 19. Uh, they, They were bowing before him, paying homage to him like he was a king when they didn't believe that. Now, I know what some of us might say. Hey, listen, I'm not a mean person like that. I don't, I don't treat people that way. But if we've ever sinned, friends, that is, in a sense, a mocking of God. We need to realize our sin separates us from God. Here's a question. Does it really matter how bad your particular sin is if your particular sin separates you from God forever? Don't, don't sit and judge people for their level of sinfulness. If you know you have sin in your heart, your sins mock God just as these voices mocked God. We, we can't look at other people and say, well, their sins are worse and so they need God more. No, we all need God more. And there's no exception to that. We think that, that, that God, you know, brings people into the church who are mostly nice people. And I want to tell you, I I love my church, and there are a lot of nice people here, but we're not saved at Ridgecrest Baptist Church because we're nice people. We're saved because of the blood that flows from the cross of Jesus Christ. Nothing more and nothing less. Understand that we have to get into our minds that when we indulge in our sins, we are not just turning our backs against God, but we are actually inflicting wounds upon the Son of God. Now that puts sin in a whole new category, doesn't it? You know, we would think, well, sin is just being bad. And we leave it in that very nebulous, general sense. But when I say to you that your sins put wounds in the body of Christ, that's a different thing altogether. It reminds us of our culpability, that we, we are held accountable so hear me, don't mock God with your sins. Don't continue to think that, that you're mostly good. If you've not asked Jesus to save you by the power of his cross, it's not about having more good than bad. It's the fact that your sins condemn you. Sin is not small, not in the least. Even an atom of sin can lead us into cosmic, eternal darkness. Don't forget that. Don't mock God. Honestly, it mocks God to show up in a place like this every Sunday and pretend like you're a good person when you haven't trusted in the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't mock God, but truly receive the gift he gave you on the cross. And that leaves us with just this last question. Our primary text for today, verses 21 through 32 that I read to you earlier The question I I, I sense in that text is a question like this. Will you receive a love like this? You know, I know you're at home or you're certainly not in a a worship center, but I want to tell you the Holy Spirit is right with you just as he's right here with me. And at one point in my life, I I was raised in church and I thought that I was a pretty good person. Uh, but, But what God began to realize to me is that I was putting my faith and my trust in my righteousness. 
And what I had to do is humble myself and say, I need to receive this love. Yes, you can read there verses 21 through 32 about how Jesus died on the cross. But the real question is, do you receive that, that death, Jesus's death on the cross in payment for your sins? It's not enough to say, I believed it happened. You have to believe that it happened for you. That, that Jesus did this for you. These people here in the text again talk about mocking and cruelty. Come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Listen, these people didn't want to believe. They didn't have faith in Jesus. But you can. You can trust in Jesus today. You can believe in him. You can realize that your heart, though it may have been as hard as stone for a long time, you can believe now that Jesus died for your sins. The Holy Spirit softens our hearts and prepares us to receive this amazing grace. Isaiah 53, 12, listen to this. It says that the Messiah would bear the sins of many. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What a transformation that God can turn us from being one who mocks into one who is literally called a son of God. And here, we are told, can be the righteousness of God. You see, the gospel is more powerful then all of the hardness of your, sin, uh, of your own heart, your sin, whatever you have experienced in life, I want you to know that God is powerful enough to save you. As a Christian now for many years, I've come to realize that it's the cross of Jesus Christ that I must cling to for salvation. There is nothing else in this world that can save me. But even this morning, I found myself leaning into Jesus, asking God to keep me in the shadow of the cross because I know that my flesh is always trying to pull away from the God I love. If you're a believer, I want you to know you need the cross today, just like you needed it that very first day. I ask the Lord every day to hide me behind his cross. I know if I don't have the blood of Christ covering me, I don't have any hope at all. And I wonder how many of you out there today are lacking that hope. You have that question mark in your heart. You're not sure where you would spend eternity if you were to die today. I'm going to put a slide up here that has a phone number you can call, that has uh, an email address that you can email. Um, and also remember that on our website, if you click on there and, and for this COVID-19 um, uh, crisis. We have a special place where you can click and go to get updates. There's a virtual visit button. I think we even have that on our homepage. It's easy to find. Click on that. If the Lord is convicting you that it is time to, to quit playing games with your heart, it's time to trust in Jesus, to lean into the cross of Christ and to be saved. Please don't hesitate to call that number to send an email. And one of our pastors, one of our elders, one of our deacons, somebody is going to reach out to you and have a conversation with you today. Today's the day. Quit putting it off. I think back to where we started. 
you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. But there's Jesus. And he is the one who was able to die voluntarily for our sins. And so a, a chapter of scripture so sad, so dark, so devastating becomes so beautiful and liberating because it reminds us that Jesus paid the price that none of us could pay. And he's offering that free gift of grace to you today. And I'm going to pray right now and I'm going to ask the Lord to grab a hold of your heart, to reach you, to, to help you surrender to him. And we want you to call us. We want you to let us help you become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.